Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, we're going to talk to Jay Williams here in just a second about the Phoenix Suns, the start to the season. They are, it's not bad, Wolf, 8-5, and five, but uh, they've lost four of their last six, and they didn't do that at all last season except the last six games of the year when they had nothing to play for. And unfortunately, the playoff series against the Mavericks. All right, joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is Jay Williams of ESPN. Luke, uh, Luke. Jay Will. Max, what's going on, Jay Will? What's up, Jay? How you guys doing? I'm coming in blazing hot this week. Can I just throw it out there? Yeah, do it. Can I can I can I throw out like you know? I'm just saying. Talk to a lot of people around the league. Is there like a way to get LeBron James to the Suns for the Devin Booker, CP3, and Aiden? Wait a minute. There's a lot of draft picks that the Suns have. There's familiarity with James and LeBron, um, you know, general manager, and I, you know, I, I just I get this inclination that I'm not sure the Lakers are going to want to be all in. I don't think they're going to be able to turn things around, and there might be a rebuilding process. And in the process of that, who better than a trade partner than the Phoenix Suns, who feel like they're always right there but just seem to not be able to get over the hump? I just want to kind of throw it out there and see what you guys think about it. <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to throw something back at you then. Do you think LeBron's interested in that, and what would it take from the Suns to do that? Because I don't want to blow up this team, but, you know, LeBron is LeBron. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would take a, a swath of picks. I think it would have to talk about uh, some future things that might need to occur as it relates to little Bronny. And I also think, you know, it, it's – but, like, I look at the relationship – that he's had with management, right? Their days back in Cleveland with James. And, and I also look at the relationship he's had with CP3 and like their ability always wanting to play together. Um, and I look at longevity in this league. I mean, look, he, he's, look, there's some challenges injury wise, potentially at this stage, yes. But I, I, it, I, I just don't think anything's out of the realm anymore. I, I, I look at this Lakers team and I think that they're a team that's going to be on the outside looking in. And that Rob Palenka and Jenny Buss are really going to be at this this stage where they're going to have to think about, you know, do they want to jeopardize, you know, their only two picks to be all in for the next year and then the, jeopardize the future of this franchise? You know, um, when will LeBron want to be there long term after next year? I'm not really sure that's the case. It's a really ending his career in L.A. Well, my question to you, Jay, would be, will LeBron James want to be a player, just a player, or will he want to be the general manager and the owner as well? I think at that stage you get another one. I think, once again, having insight. I don't think – let's be honest about it, guys. I mean, any star player in today's game is going to have insight, right, and, and be able to say who they would like to play with. I think having a guy like CP3 on the team um, – you know, obviously there's a balance there about what they want to do. And Devin Booker, who is the face of the franchise and the star of the franchise. But like, let's not act like, you know, like Giannis and his staff or his crew aren't going to have say in how the Milwaukee Bucks are going to move. Like, let's not act like, you know, star players, Luka Doncic is not going to have say with Mark Cuban and what decisions they're going to make as it relates to the Dallas Mavericks. Everybody's playing GM to a degree. 
Um, but there has to be balance. And my thing is, I think there's a respect level there between all parties where they will find balance and they can orchestrate and collaborate and manipulate the system well together. Talking to Jay Williams. So, Jay, to kind of follow up on that, I mean, do you think a situation like that would work? Because this really is Devin Booker's team and him and Chris Paul have worked together very well in that capacity. You bring in LeBron and, and that's that's LeBron. So unless LeBron comes in saying, hey, I know this is somebody else's team. I'm just here to win a title. There's some juggling that has to happen there. Yeah, there's juggling, but there's there's common respect. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the things that people around the league have forgotten to talk about is just the amount of respect that is garnered for CP3 and how he operates and how he addresses conflict head on and what he feels like he needs to do to get over the hump. So I, I don't think anybody's just coming in saying, hey, this is the way it's going to go. Like There's going to be almost like a round table, right? It's like uh, the Knights and King Arthur. <laughs> and like Devin Booker is King Arthur. And everybody else are parts of the round table. Now, I know that might be hard for people to say Le- LeBron James, you know, not King Arthur and things of that sort. But like at this stage, if he wants to play with his son, if he wants an environment that's going to extend the years of his career, right? if he wants something that's close to the West Coast and it's not like a, a big pickup for him to leave L.A. and still stay intact with what he's building towards the latter part, I mean, come on. You talk about personnel that fits around how this guy likes to play. You're telling me Cam Johnson and, and Devin Booker and these guys and, and Aiden, they, that doesn't fit around how LeBron James would like to play at the end stage of his career where yeah. he can post up, be a great passer, push the ball in transition. It's just the pieces feel like they fit and he can play a faster speed. You know what? I'd rather beat LeBron than actually have him join the Suns. I'd rather beat him. That's, That's just me. I just wanted to bring it out of you. That's why I just threw it out there. I wanted to bring it out of you. That's you what I you just did, Jay. No doubt about it, man. Well, Jay, I would I say this. Work, you know? I, 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 I mean, that's not the first time we've heard that connection. I think you made it a lot more realistic than in the, in the offseason when we heard it. But I, I would say, whether it's LeBron or not, doesn't this roster kind of feel incomplete right now? Not just because they lost the last two games, but with the whole Jay Crowder thing and, and they don't have as much depth as they did last year. It doesn't it feel like some sort of move is coming for the Suns? Well, there has to be, right? I mean, this is uh, for lack of better terms because I know it has uh, political attachments to it, but this is an arms race, man. And when your team feels like they're stagnant, you, you have to kick it into a different gear and you have to start finding. I mean, the Jay Crowder, just the toughness that comes along with that. Like, that, that's a major factor. So, yeah, it does feel like the Suns are stuck. That's why. Yes, this has been something that's came up before, but I'm I'm just trying to tell you guys from the people around the league I talk to, mm-hmm. like I, I think there's there's a lot of interesting times around this Lakers organization, and I don't think everybody's bought into what the long term plan is, and there there has to be maneuvering and jockeying if you're the Phoenix Suns right now to continue to be that team for the next three to four years and. That's why I throw it out there because it's, it's that time when teams are looking at are we pivoting towards a youth movement for our franchise because we feel like our backs are against the wall with these two picks that we have and we don't want to jeopardize that. It, it feels like if there was a time to attack that conversation, it would be now more so than ever. So, yeah, you know, I think you're right about that. I'm kind of intrigued um, by this, I, I'll I be would, honest. I would hate to see it. I'm just I, telling I, I you right I now. I don't I, dislike LeBron. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I Listen, if you told me if you told me LeBron James was going to come in here and be a player, that's what he was going to be. Yeah, He was going to think like a player who was going to be a player. 
instead of trying to run the organization, that uh, I'm okay. You got my well, attention. Well, Wolf, Wolf, can I say something to you, brother? Yeah. So, yeah, the last two years have been crappy. He did win them a world championship, though. Listen, man. I, he did win them a world championship. I, I'm just putting it into perspective. Like, I'm over here looking at the Knicks, and I'm like, when's the last time the Knicks won? <laughs> like, so, like, just, I, I get it comes with a lot, but, like, to, to win one, like, to finally play with CP3, <laughs> to have the right personnel. And I will say this. I think one of the reasons he can't just be a player in L.A. is because he's required to be so much more. So yeah. to be. do you think is 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 it possible he he shows up here and he just wants to play he just wants to be a player once again and he doesn't have to be all of that uh, you know what you you would have my attention on that one but right now yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you I I, w- I don't like it man I really don't I'm, I'm with you with I'm I'm not the person that can speak for LeBron James. I, I would like to say, though, like, as you're building this empire outside of basketball, in the twilight years of your career where you want to play with your son, you tell me what organization with the way you guys have handled a lot of different things. And a lot will be dependent upon who the new ownership group is. Yeah. Hey, Jay, just remember this, though. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes... You get well, what you need. Quoting the Rolling Stones. Well, Jay I'm married. You don't think I hear that every day of my life? Jay, man, you're Jay, the best, bro. Lot, I love the idea. Thank you, man. All right, boys. Have a good one. Okay. A That's uh, Jay Williams checking in on the Arizona Jay just Sports gave line. us a ton man, of information my, right my there. And maybe, racing. yeah, something we can we can talk yeah. about a little bit later. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit that a little bit later on in the show. Um all right, Kyler Murray obviously is the Cardinals' long-term answer quarterback, but who gives them a better chance to win against San Francisco on Monday? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, the news for the Rams. Um, not great. Wolf Cooper Cup surgery to that high ankle sprain on IR. So that's at least four weeks, uh, possibly the rest of the season. I mean, four weeks for the Rams without Cooper Cup. I can't can't imagine they're going to win a lot of those games without Cooper Cup. Their season might be over anyway. But uh, there you go. Not I'm not trying to minimize what Cooper Cup is dealing with, but it's a high ankle sprain. Buda Baker's a high ankle sprain, and I'm sure there are varying degrees. And it sounds like sure. Cooper Cup has a much worse one because he's having surgery, and Buda Baker played through his. But that does put things back into perspective. How ridiculous it was that Buda Baker was even able to play on Sunday. Well, we do know this right now. If the Rams were six and three, they would not. <laughs> If the Rams were six and three, there's a real good chance that Cooper Cup season wouldn't be over for the most part. I, you know, and they've had a lot of injuries too. We'd have to look at this. This has got to be one of the worst follow up seasons to winning the Super Bowl in like the last twenty years, doesn't it? Yeah, and we all kind of wondered about it as well. I, I honestly don't know if this is a talent issue. I just don't think that it is because they made some moves in the off season. I understand they lost some people as well. Yet at the same time, I don't think it's a talent issue as much as it could be the hangover. 
there were a lot of people that actually were talking about the Rams and the expectation was, are the Rams going to be complacent? Remember? I mean, it was, yeah. we talked about it all offseason. Well, because everything they gave up to go all in last year, that really should start hurting them in a year or two years or three years. You know what I mean? You don't have any picks and these guys are leaving. And yes, Von Miller has left and Odell Beckham is hurt. And, and so I guess technically he has left too. So that stuff doesn't doesn't uh, help. But that whole thought process is uh, we went all in to win this season so that we're going to pay for it down the line. It's not typically the next season. That's years and years of missing on draft picks because you don't have draft picks. And all of a sudden you're going to pay for that. But they are, like I said yesterday, a minus 52 only Pittsburgh and Houston have a worse point differential this season. They're three and six. All of their offense is Cooper Cup. All of it. If the Cardinals could score any touchdowns the first time they met the Rams, the Rams would be two and seven. Mm. I mean, the Cardinals easily could have beat them that first time. Remember, it was a twenty to twelve loss. So I don't think anybody's going to cry for the Rams. But uh, remember, though, how excited drop. everybody was when they signed Allen Robinson, right? Oh boy, that yeah. was going to be it. That was the difference. See, the Rams. They're pushing the chips into the center of the table. They're going after wide receivers that are out there. Boy, Allen Robinson, you want to talk about a guy that's been marginalized. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so now for the Cardinals on Monday. Mexico City, this is a very meaningful game. Even if you are an eternal pessimist and you're like, ah, the season's over, even if they win. Well, the reason the season isn't over now, Wolf, is because... They beat the Rams, and because they have two games left against the 49ers. Yeah. That's that's why you're still in this, because you have those two games against the 49ers. And the third reason is you're in the NFC, and pretty much everybody is still in it in the NFC. And it raises the question of what do you do at quarterback, because Kyler Murray was obviously hurt enough where he wasn't comfortable playing this past Sunday. Colt McCoy did get hurt in that game. He played through it. Here's Cliff Kingsbury when he joined us yesterday talking about the quarterback situation. Yeah, we'll see how, how Kyler feels. Um, playing a team like the 49ers, you, you better be full speed if you're going to play against them. And So we want him to be 100% where he can take off and do the things he does, and we'll just have to go day by day with it. There's just There is such a drop-off with Kyler Murray when he can't run. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not like when he can't run for 80 yards. I mean, when he can't run away from things that I'm not going to, I'm not in that class of like, well, Colt McCoy won a game that makes him a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. But I only care about who can win the game this week. I don't, you know, I, I don't care who's the, the today. I don't care who's the better quarterback, big yeah, picture. I right. care about who's going to beat San Francisco, who gives you a better chance to beat the 49ers. Well, first of all, I agree with Cliff Kingsbury right there. Listen, if Kyler Murray is not ready to go, if he's not 100% or near 100%, we all know at this point of the season, you're never going to truly be 100%. But if he's up there, 97, 98 percentile, somewhere in there, that hammy feels really, really good. I got no issues with it. Kyler Murray's going to be the starter. He's, you've got to go with Kyler Murray. Listen, you know, I, I, I get this. This is, this is something that um, has truly been a cliche in the National Football League for the longest time. It's the backup syndrome. It really is. It's the best job it's in the, the league, backup, right? Yeah. Right? The backup is always better. I love Colt McCoy. I respect Colt McCoy so much. I'm so happy the Arizona Cardinals have Colt McCoy on their roster. Are you kidding me? 
for all the reasons that we have seen in four games that he's come in as a starter and he's three and one as a starter. He gives your team an opportunity. He gives your team a chance of winning a game. You just do your job, buddy, and we got a shot of winning this game. The problem is, like every backup, can they do it over the course of game after game after game? After game, after game, after game. Marshawn, (laughs) are you going to say it? (laughs) Can you do it game after game after game? That's the thing with a backup. Because, see, what happens, Basinonians, you've got guys who sit around and they're getting paid millions of dollars to do one thing. And that's find out what messes you up. Find out. They sit there and they watch tape, these defensive coordinators, and they start building game plans around messing you up, whatever it may be, and attacking you. Backup quarterbacks, for the most part, they they don't have a large sample size. You don't get game after game after game where you can dissect what a guy does. Colt McCoy right now benefits from the from the relative standpoint that he doesn't go out and play 16 games. He doesn't go out and play 13 games. He did it once in his career. But he'd still be and, benefiting from that on Monday. What right. Do you mean? Well, it's it's not it's not I think this is two different conversations that people are having of, hey, is Colt the starter now yes. or hey, does Colt start Monday against yes. the 49ers? Listen, make no mistake about it, and you know this. There's a lot of people out there right now that want Colt McCoy to be the starter. They think the Cardinals are Monday a better or team. Permanently. No, permanently. Well, that's a different thing. They think he's that's well, different. Yeah. There's guys that are out there, I guarantee you, some are even in the media that think Colt McCoy gives them a better chance of winning games. Game after game after game after game. If that's the this case, game? they really screwed up signing uh, Kyler Murray. You're, I, you're in trouble if Colt McCoy's a better quarterback, big picture. Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, Colt started once in his career for the most part. The first two years, as yeah. a matter of fact, he played eight games. His rookie year, he played 13. His second. After that, he's been a backup. Now listen, again, boy do I respect oh, he's this He's one of guy the best backups in the love this guy. There's a reason oh, he's their backup. There, there's yeah. no doubt about that. But there, there is a large fairly large faction of people that are out there like, oh, Colt McCoy, he's a better quarterback than Kyler Murray. Hey, I'm just telling you right now, when Kyler is healthy, I want Kyler Murray playing as our quarterback. That's what I want. But there's so many variables when you're looking at Monday's game. Kyler probably isn't fully healthy. Colt McCoy, I hear what you're saying. You, you get him out there playing game and game and game and game after game after game, and teams are going to figure him out. But he's only played one game this season. So teams shouldn't have figured him out after one game. The offense, for whatever reason, the offense, not the quarterback, but the offense looks so much better with him out there. But again, you invested everything in Kyler Murray for a reason. And some of that, I don't want to play him this week because you need him to be better. That is, he's the starter permanently because you need him to be better. But as far as survival mode this week, if Kyler can't run, and we don't know how hurt Colt is, too. I mean, if he's hurt, then uh, sure. then, then yeah, no, I'm with everybody you else this, is hurt. And I'm saying it. If, in fact, Kyler Murray is not 100%, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Colt McCoy, absolutely, man. He's, he's, Colt McCoy is capable. But don't start talking about Colt McCoy at this point being the answer 
for the Arizona Cardinals at quarterback. Yeah, if that's the case, again, all due respect to Colt, if that's the case, you have problems beyond this season. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, ASU's using a firm to find their next head coach. Sean Aguano is weighing in on what that next head coach should be. We'll weigh in as well. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. What are you saying that general managers fabricate stuff from time to time? Is that what you're saying, Luke? Of course. Uh, you know we're on the air now. My goodness. Um, I'm saying you could if you were so inclined. <laughs> I like this. We just finished our conversations on the air and never explained them. Whatever. So the uh, Sun Devils will play Oregon State final home game of the season on Saturday. Are you aware that Thanksgiving is a week from this Thursday? Man, it's, it's freaking me out, it's almost, too. It's almost Thanksgiving. It is fantastic, man. When is a Wednesday or Friday, basically? Next when is it, man? A week from tomorrow, when once a year is a Wednesday, always a Friday, man. It's got to be that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I taste it. Nobody, literally, nobody loves Thanksgiving more than Wolf. I do. Would you agree? It's, yeah, you know yeah. what? Honestly, it's great. And again, you know, Christmas is fantastic, of course. Um, but man, you got to celebrate Thanksgiving first. Well, you, you, you have to. You still have the anticipation of Christmas when it's Thanksgiving, too. So you have like part of Christmas. I, I just, I don't let the kids, I don't want the kids talking about Christmas. I don't want them doing that until <laughs> after Thanksgiving, until we, we, we acknowledge Thanksgiving, of course, and be so thankful for everything that we've been blessed you with. Can't, uh, you can't watch Christmas vacation until next Friday. Correct. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. Well, ASU's got Oregon State on Saturday. They will uh, travel to Tucson for U of A on Black Friday, November 25th. So two games left for the Sun Devils, three and seven, coming off another loss to Washington State. And so now the conversation, I would say more than, certainly more than the Oregon State game. The U of A game is a little bit different because it's U of A. But uh, the conversation now is what are you doing at head coach beyond this season. Like, you got to be done with college football purgatory, right? At some point here, the NCAA is going to start their investigation that they were supposed to start two years ago, and you need to be ready. You need to be start making moves to turn this around. Sean Aguano yesterday weighed in on what he thinks the next ASU coach should look like. You know, the continuity, the, the um, passion for Arizona State football. Um, you know, I think it's, it's hard for somebody to come from the outside that has no idea what Arizona Arizona State football means um, to people. Um, the the Arizona State High School Football Association that, that that's going to have to be really important. Um, but the love for Arizona State football that's I think that's the number one, especially in this transition and um, understanding what type of um, recruited athletes that we want here um, um, to build a program that is disciplined and held accountable and and uh, put on a on a product that is tough that uh, never quit. Um, those are the type of things that, uh, from a Cartier standpoint, that uh, I would want to uh, see as being a Sunday level fan myself. Um, and so, um, those are the things that I think are very, very important to um, to the Sun Devil uh, community, and, and uh, hopefully that, uh, that fits well. Boy, he, he, he stopped one qualification short of saying, you know, maybe his name rhymes with uh, Ron DeGuano, maybe, you know. Uh, I mean, he just described himself for a minute. He's not totally wrong, yeah. but he did just describe himself for a minute. Which, yeah. you know, I think we all would do in that situation. You know, I, honestly, um, I do believe that Sean Aguano should be considered 
for the job going forward. Be. And I think he honestly will. And when I say that, based on earnings, I mean honestly considered. He should be considered going forward. A lot of times, universities like to say, oh, of course he's going to be considered. <laughs> Sean Aguano's going to be considered. Of course he is. And it's lip service. And we all know when when a university does that. Um, we understand. For me, I I respect the university more, the football program more, if they came out and said, we, we actually are not going to consider Sean Aguano. ASU says they are going to consider yeah, they, yeah. And you know what? I believe it. I, I believe they will consider him because, obviously, of his local ties here. To me, I think the biggest thing you have to get if you're ASU is is get a coach that you are going to commit to that isn't – you can't do this switching coaches. Like in college, college football years are different than, than NBA years or NFL years, right? You can hire a coach in the NBA, and if it's not working after two or three years, you move on, and, and we've seen it. Unfortunately, we saw it too much with the Suns there for a while, and it set them back. Um, college football is a little bit different, but – I think especially if you are ASU, if you are not a team that is a traditional power like Alabama or, you know, any of those teams and and you're not a team that's just rolling in the NIL money like Texas A and M your best chance at getting players and keeping them, getting the kind of players you want and keeping them, has to be your coach, right? Your coach has to be the selling point. And the only way you can really do that is years and years of it. It can't be, hey, our coach was on TV that last year. Doesn't yes. that make you want to come here? Right. Like, cool, it might. And then it's going right. to make me want to leave next year <laughs> when, when I have a better NIL or whatever. You need to find a guy that's going to be ASU's next coach for 10 years. So when kids come here to play here in four years, they stick around in five years because they came to play for this coach yes. not to play in the sun you know once again i've said this and i'm going to continue to say it um if you told me that sean aguano if you told me that he could recruit just southern california and do it effectively if you told me that he could just do that um you know what honestly okay that's where we're going to get the vast amount of um our roster we're going to build our depth chart through being able to actually recruit southern california and do it well do it effectively and then recruit arizona as well because the state of arizona has gotten so much better with high school football going forward especially quarterback it's not even close it is not even close. When I showed up here, Basin Onions, all the way back in 1988, oh my goodness, 1988, when I showed up here, um, there weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of colleges coming in here recruiting Phoenix, Arizona. Weren't a ton. There were some guys, there was no doubt about it, there were some great players that would surface, yes. But not a football factory by any stretch of the imagination. It now is, to me, getting to a point where you, if you're not recruiting Maricopa County, what are you doing? Yeah, no, You are absolutely. losing if you're not. And I do wonder, and nobody has the answer to this yet, but I wonder how different it's going to be recruiting Southern California with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, right? Because in the past, even if you're taking USC's leftovers out of Southern California, you can still build a pretty good football team yes. if you're getting the next group and they're not you know, spread out all over the country. But I feel like in the past, you could be like, okay, yeah, USC didn't want you or you didn't want to go to USC. Or, Don't you want to play against USC every year? And now it's it's not going to be that way. It's, USC's not going to be any part of the equation other 
other than they're going to still be taking their players. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and much more returns to Tempe Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win those tickets. All right, we come back. 11 straight passes to start the game on Sunday in L.A. Cliff Kingsbury told us why yesterday. Does that show some evolution from the Cardinals head coach? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It was a uh, surprising way to start the game on Sunday, right? Okay, Cardinals come out, get the ball. You're missing, you're missing four of your starting offensive linemen. You're missing some of your backup offensive linemen. You got your backup quarterback in there. You yeah. don't have Hollywood Brown, obviously. Here you go. You're facing Aaron Donald and the Rams. Okay, first play pass. Second play pass. The first 11 plays were all passes, Wolf. Say what, Luke? <laughs> Just pass, 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 pass. You got to kidding me. I still honestly, to hear you say that right now, and yet I know it's true, I can't believe it still. I, I, I found myself thinking around the seventh straight pass. What is Wolf thinking right now? <laughs> because I was up there. They got it. You're going to tell me, Luke, they're going to throw the ball 58 times. They're going to lose this <laughs> That's game. Like the last thing you said on Friday's show. Look, I'm not afraid, Bayesians, to be wrong. Well, they didn't throw not. it 58 times. I, I understand that, but I, I'm just saying I'm not afraid to be wrong at all. Did I expect them to come out and start the game with 11 consecutive passes? No, I did not. Never in a million years did I hear. I, I did not see that coming. I didn't hear anything about that. I didn't hear anyone talking about that, that that might be the case, that they might. I, I heard none of it, and I, I still can't believe what I saw. Yet, guess what? The Rams weren't expecting that either, no. and that's why it was brilliant. So we asked Cliff Kingsbury when he joined us yesterday at 145, what, uh, what was the thinking behind that? You don't accidentally throw 11 straight passes to start the game. Uh, quite a few. Quite a few, yeah. We wanted to come out and throw it and get the ball in space uh, You know, with four out of the five starting offensive linemen from the beginning of the season out. We, we knew it would be tough sledding in there early, and so we wanted to get the ball in space, make those guys run side to side, and then settle into the run game and try to get something going. Uh, <laughs> and then we followed that up with, okay, and, and chances are the Rams probably didn't expect it either. There's a little bit of everything in that. I think from the first time we, we played them, we knew that was going to be their uh, philosophy against us. You know, give us space, expect us to get off schedule. They'd get a sack here or there. And so we came out uh, with some quick throws and got it out of our hand and, and let our playmakers run around in space. So I'll say two things on this, Wolf. One, I was kind of surprised that he told us that, right? I mean, yeah. you don't play the Rams again this right. season, but still, you're going to play them twice again next year. That that was the thing. He flat out told us the thinking. This is what the Rams did to us the first time, so we knew we could exploit it the second time. The other thing is, that is what happened. They lost to the Rams the first time. They beat them the second time, and that is a, a specific example of how the Cardinals evolved from the first meeting to the second meeting, and it led to a win. Yeah. No, you know, honestly, um, he keeps talking about space as well. Do you hear that? Space. The word space. They give us space. He's talking about zone cover, of course, and that's what the Rams and Raheem Morris was going to do, give them space. He's not talking and about his house that we saw in Hard Knocks? No, he's, he's not. He likes say, to have space. Uh, no, he's okay. not. He's 
he's not talking about that. Um, he's talking about the space and Colt McCoy and the fact that Colt McCoy could read that coverage and get the ball out quickly. The expectation that is there, and it's a great learning moment once again for me, for Kyler Murray. It's a great teaching moment, and I'm hoping that this is what has happened. It's one of the reasons why I asked Cliff, you know, hey, did you guys watch the tape? Did you watch the tape together? And he was talking about the fact that Kyler and Colt had watched the tape together, and they were looking at it and talking about it. That, to me, is the learning opportunity that I was hoping for, because, you know, sometimes you need separation. I think we all understand this. Sometimes you need that separation and that space, Cliff, to actually evaluate where it is that you need to get better. And I think yeah. Kyler Murray got that. And I'm hoping he learns from that tape and says, hey, you know what? If I just get the ball out with a rhythm and have a expectation as to where the ball is going because of pre-snap read, um, maybe I could mimic the same thing. That's that's a great point because sometimes you just need to hear it from a different voice yes. too. And and when Kyler hears from his play caller, he's hearing from Cliff. Okay, well, what about when I hear from my head coach? He's hearing from Cliff again, right? Yes. The stuff that Colt McCoy did, and let's let's not pretend that this didn't happen. Colt McCoy did things better on Sunday than Kyler has done this year. Yes, he did things better. Totally. But most of those totally. things, he, totally. Most of those things he did better. Kyler can do. He just hasn't been doing them. So maybe hearing from Colt, like you just said, hey, look, man, just get the ball, get it out quickly. Let's get into a rhythm on offense. Do this. Maybe you go out there and run five straight passing plays right. again to start the game to get him in the rhythm. Whatever you got to do. I think there is something to what you just said. Kyler hearing it from Colt, who not only is a different voice, but is a guy that just did it on Sunday. It's not a coach. It's a player. Yes. And it's the only player that could tell him something because he did his specific job on Sunday. You know what I mean? It can't be J.J. Watt coming up and being like, hey, I played too, and look how good this looked. Well, J.J. Watt wasn't throwing the passes. Yeah. Colt McCoy was throwing the passes. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because, again, in that second half, did it change based on onions? Did it change? Heck yeah, it changed. What did the Rams do? They started playing a lot more man cover. That's what they did. They started walking up some corners as well. Started playing a lot more tight coverage on the wide receivers. Start walking up Jalen Ramsey, and you're going to have to you have to be aware of that. That's exactly right. So what do you do? You know, you become more balanced, and the fact you had a lead, once again, it is, that is a big deal. And honestly, when you go back, you go back to, and I know we keep talking about it, but you have to go back to September and October of 2021, man. That's exactly the way they would do it. They would get leads, they'd come out throwing a lot, and then all of a sudden get a lot more balance the rest of the game the biggest difference between the way this season started and the way last season started on the most simple terms i can put it in and there's obviously a lot more to this but the simplified is the cardinals started games fast last year this yeah. whole like oh i can't score right. a touchdown in the first quarter. Yes. they were scoring touchdowns in the first quarter of every game last Let's year go. multiple touchdowns and so it led to what you were saying then you second half you got james connor he's going to eat up some clock like you could be more balanced because you had the lead cliff told us that again this is not the first time cliff has told us this uh this season but he told us again yesterday and it rings a little bit different after a win yeah i mean we, we'd like to do that more often we just haven't had a lead i don't think for much of the season to this point but that's how our really our recipe for winning has, has been at its best when James can um, you know lean on those guys late and, and play that physical style of football we like to play when we have a lead boys right there it is he just said it too you know what honestly that was our that was our formula we had a way of winning games 
And I think back to that, and it was. That's exactly how it was. They came out a lot of the time, and they came out throwing the ball. And the ball was coming out quickly. Kyler Murray was in the pocket as well. Remember, that's when they were changing it up. There were a lot of teams that would blitz, and then all of a sudden they'd back off because Kyler would beat them on that blitz. Um, now all of a sudden they'd try to adopt a new strategy and have them play from the pocket. And I think right now, if you ask defensive coordinators, 31 other, well, just go ahead, ask Vance Joseph as well, 32 defensive coordinators, do you want Kyler Murray throwing the ball from the pocket or out of the pocket? Yeah. From the pocket. That's yep. what they want them. Well, think about it. If you're, especially if you're a fan of another team, and you're watching the Cardinals, and you're watching your team play the Cardinals, and you're like, okay, I mean, and this is what got so maddening there for a couple weeks. Okay, Kyler's going to drop back. He's in the pocket. You know, shotgun into the pocket. The pocket's collapsing around them. Every team knows he's throwing on every play. Seemingly, they can't throw down. Feel like their options so limited. If if I'm a fan of another team, watching my defense go up against the Cardinals, and Kyler gets outside the pocket. It's not real fun watching mm-hmm. that as a, as the opposing team. I can only imagine what it's like as a defensive coordinator. Okay, he's loose. Like here we go. He's loose. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? You got to have this guy contained. The one thing you can't let him do is get loose. And for whatever reason, this season Kyler just hasn't been loose very often. Obviously, the other team is getting paid a lot of money to make sure he doesn't get loose. But if you're the Cardinals, your job is then to get him loose because he's so much more dangerous and then this team is so much more dangerous. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why I'd love to see a lot more bootleg and waggled. And a waggle is nothing more than a boot to the weak side of the formation. Get him out on the perimeter. Get him out on the edge. Not a ton of the time. You can't do it a ton of the time. Because what happens is suddenly defensive coordinators start talking to the edges and saying, hey, listen, you cannot let him get outside of you. You can't do it. So they start playing that over and over and over again. Can you take advantage of that? Yeah. Yes, you can take advantage talking of about that. The Cardinals should be dictating some of what exactly. happens in these games, yes, too. I agree. There was like a two or three week stretch where it just felt like, well, we couldn't do that because the other team wouldn't let us. Yes. Okay, well, then you're never going to win another game. But again, you've got to put Kyler in a situation where he can do that. And so much of the time, that's under sun. I made this analogy on, on Saturday. I'll make it again here. Wolf, it, Kyler, it, it's like when you find a scorpion in your house and you have it cornered, right? When it, it, that's fine as long as you have it cornered. Once it gets loose in the house and like goes behind the couch, well, then you're just never sleeping again. Yes, that's that's an opposing defensive coordinator against the Cardinals. Okay, we got Kyler in the pocket. Sure, he's he's a better pocket passer, whatever than people expected. Fine, we want him in the pocket. The second he gets loose and you got like one linebacker, like eh, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, that's where you want to be as the Cardinals. Yep. Need to see more of that, although yes. maybe not this week because we might be seeing Colt McCoy. Coming up next, we'll take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.